Good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a great morning. I know it's good to be here. Uh, I feel like spring's kind of in the air, finally. Hopefully, there's no more snow. Maybe you want snow, but man, I love this weather, so it's a great morning to be here. Um, as I was thinking about the theme in this sermon or the sermon series, if you think about the book of Acts, uh, the theme is that we are witnesses. We boldly proclaim Jesus and his resurrection. And I was thinking through just kind of what's happening in our culture. I think about the revival that's even being talked about on CNN and news channels of what's going on at Asbury. And what is God doing? And then this, this, there's this movie that's come out called The Jesus Revolution. And I think in some sense there is an opening desire for people to know God. There, there is a spiritual hunger happening in our culture. And what is God going to do in our lives? What does he want to do with you and me? What does spiritual hunger look like? What does revival look like? And I think when you look at the book of Acts, people who've encountered the power of Jesus, they speak about him. They have courage. They stand strong for the name of Christ. And this movie that I'm talking about, it's called The Jesus Revolution. It's, it's made by some Christian producers and writers. And uh, I've had some folks watch it. They've enjoyed it. But there's an actor in this film. His name's Kelsey Grammer. You might know him. He's known for being in the series Cheers or the show Frasier. And Kelsey is talking and having many interviews with all these different shows on television. And he's, he's talking about what it means to be a Christian. He claims to be a Christian. I think he is. I'm not sure. But he makes a statement that I find is profound for our day and age. This is what he says. I have come to terms with my faith. And I have found great peace in my faith and in Jesus. It's not cavalier, but Jesus has made a difference in my life. That's not anything I'll apologize for. Now, I don't know completely what's going on in that guy's life. But I do like the fact that he made a simple statement. Jesus has made a difference in my life. And I'm not going to apologize about it. I like to say, he's saying, I'm not ashamed to tell you that Jesus has changed my life. Now, I don't know about you, but for a Hollywood actor to say that statement, to be associated with a Christian company that's well known for sharing the gospel, I believe that takes a little bit of courage. It takes a little bit of courage in life to say that I today am identifying myself with Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian, and I believe in the power of the resurrection. That's what it means to be a witness of the resurrection. You boldly proclaim who Jesus is. And as we're continuing to walk in the book of Acts, this is what you see. 
you see the disciples boldly proclaiming the power of the risen Savior. So let's take a look and see what courage looks like in the book of Acts. Take a look at Acts chapter 3. If you go in the New Testament, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3, we'll read 1 through 16, and we're just going to kind of travel along through this sermon today. It's going to feel a little different because I'm tag-teaming today with Zach. So I'm going to preach the first two points, and then Zach's going to follow us up and give us a conclusion. All right? Should be a little fun for us. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that's called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. In leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who had sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them and the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety, we've made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you have delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. You killed the author of life who God raised from the dead. To this we are his witnesses. And in his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you now see and know that through faith, that faith is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Man, I wish I could have seen that. <laughs> what power was demonstrated? I mean, if there's one thing I want you to come away with is that, that God is all-powerful. He has the power to heal to transform, to change. And if he is all-powerful, you'll speak about him. A strong faith declares the mighty one. 
That's what we're talking about today. I mean, as you think about what Pastor Michael preached last week, and in the book of Acts, what do you see happening? You see the power of God through the Spirit of God in the people of God. And what happens? Their lives change. They're devoted to Jesus. Their devotion, their faith is unwavering. Their love for people is unshakable. Their love for neighbor is on display for everyone to see. And in that moment that the church begins to build, what happens? Thousands of lives come to know this living Christ who changes lives. That's the book of Acts. And now we see the disciples raising up and declaring boldly that Jesus is the risen Christ. This is the theme of Acts, that God's people speak boldly. They speak boldly about his resurrection. So this is the big idea this morning. This is where we're going. The theme running throughout, right, is that since God is all-powerful, God is all-powerful, we can be courageous in speaking his name. I pray that defines you. With the Asbury revival that's going on, with the things that are going on in this world, a true mark of a changed life, a true revived heart speaks the name of Jesus and is unashamed. That's the mark of a spiritual change in your life. You tell others about Jesus. That's what the book of Acts says. But I think... For many of us, courage is difficult. It's difficult to stand up for what we believe in a culture that is in many ways adamantly opposed to what we believe. And so if you're going to be courageous, you've got to be convinced that God is all-powerful. You hear that? That's our first point. If you want to be courageous, you've got to be convinced of Christ's power and his authority. And that's what we see, right? We see right here in the book of Acts. Peter rolls up to this guy who's completely lame. And I love what he says, right? This guy's coming to him for money. Like, give me some money. Dude, you don't need money. You need healing. You need the author of life to step in and make a change. So Peter says, I don't have silver or gold, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I say to you, rise up and walk. And you see the power of God manifest. Peter takes him by the hand. And he's leaping and praising God. Peter saw the very power of God change that man right before his very eyes. And you know, I I love how Peter acknowledges that this is God's power. Look at verse 12. Look what it says. When Peter sees all these people kind of gathering around, 
he addresses them and, and he says to them, Men of Israel, verse 12, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we've made them walk? Do you see what he's kind of saying? Like, you think I did this? Who are you kidding? Let me declare to you the one who did this. The God, the God of our fathers, the God who has existed from all time and all eternity, the God who's made the heavens and the earth, the sun and the moon and the stars, he is the one who did this. He is the one. And by the way, you, you killed him. You killed the author of life who God raised from the dead. Boom! Do you see what Peter's doing? You killed the God of all power. He is risen from the dead. In this God, he has made this lame man walk today. Peter is convinced of the power of God. So persuasively, he has to speak of the power of God. Are you convinced? I ask you today, are you convinced that God rules and reigns, that he is all-powerful, that Jesus has truly been resurrected from the dead, that this Jesus that we say today, he is crowned in the heavens, he's king of kings and lord of lords, and one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Are you convinced of that power? Because if you are, you'll declare him. Unashamedly, you'll declare him. Sometimes we need to be convinced of power. Sometimes we need to be convinced. You ever been in a storm? I was young, foolish, teenager with my cousin. We were out playing golf. And we see a storm kind of come along the way. And we hear a little bit of thunder from afar. It's a little bit of rain, not much. So we're like, hey, dude, we'll just keep on going. So we're just playing golf, playing golf, right? Well, in the middle of a swing or either on the green, I can't remember exactly where it was, but I do remember this. Boom! A thunderbolt hit like 100 yards away. And we're like, whoa! Dude, we went right to our cart and sailed out. We were motivated to move, right? It changed our perspective. Power in the midst changed what we did. We were convinced of the power. We rolled out. That's the kind of power and convincing that Peter's talking about. You've got to be convinced that Christ really is who he says he is. And what's fascinating is that in being convinced of his power and being courageous about it, it's not always immediate. Think about the disciples. 
Jesus walks with them. They see all the miracles. They watch his life. And at the, at the day where Jesus goes to be killed, what do the disciples do? They check out. Peter denies him. Are they convinced of the power? No. But once Jesus is risen from the dead, you step into Acts, and what happens? They're not the same. They are boldly proclaiming Jesus everywhere they go, so much so that each of the disciples will be martyred. They will unashamedly speak of the power of the resurrection. They were convinced of the power, and so they were able to proclaim boldly his resurrection. I like what Paul does with this, right? The convincing of the power makes you strong to share the gospel. That's why he says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? It is the power of God for salvation. And that's why Paul was so bold to proclaim Jesus. Because in the gospel, there's a power. There's a power to heal and transform. You've got to see that God is able He's able to do, that's what the Ephesians would say, or Paul says in Ephesians, he's able to do far more abundantly and beyond all that we ask or think. you got to believe that God is able. He's all-powerful. And that's for you today, some of you, maybe that's what you need to hear. Maybe this is what you need to hear today, that God is able He's able to heal your wounds. He's able to heal your afflictions. He's able to heal the body that wasn't working the way you wanted it to. He's able to heal your soul and the aches of the heart. He's able to forgive. He's able to give you grace in the moments where you needed it. He's able to take your fears and put them away so that you're strong in your faith and you trust them with everything you got. God is able. Hear that today. He's been resurrected from the dead. The power of the resurrection, brothers and sisters, is in you. Are you convinced of that today? And does that just grab your heart so powerfully that what you're going to do is today be courageous. Be courageous to speak about him because you never know, you never know how God will use your life to change someone. That The courage, the minute courage he might give you is what someone needs to hear for that day and their lives are changed for all of eternity. That's the power we are proclaiming. And as you leave this place, that's the power I want you to proclaim because you're convinced of his power.
And as we are convinced of this power, you see the disciples, you see this beautiful statement about them. Not only are they just convinced, they have been the people that have been consistently with Jesus. That's our second point. That these disciples are convinced of power, that these disciples are consistently with Jesus. And so let's, let's travel along. Go to chapter 4, verse 5 through 13. All right? Chapter 4, 5 through 13. It says this. On the next day, and by the way, this is after they've been arrested and the, and the leaders have arrested the disciples. And we're like, we don't have any reason to keep these guys. Okay, well then here we go. On the next day, after they were released from prison, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the highly priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power, by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus, he is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And I love this response. I love this response. When they saw, when these people saw, these religious leaders, when all these people see the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. The disciples had been with Jesus. I love the story of these men and these ladies too that have been with Jesus and Jesus has forever changed them. And now these, these normal people are proclaiming boldly the power of Jesus' name to everyone on the planet. And don't you love their description? Right? I love it. Who are these guys? Huh. They're common, uneducated. Thank you. <laughs> if someone said, hey, Dan, I'm, I'm so glad you're common and uneducated. Oh, thank you. I love being described that way. Common and un uneducated. Right? Another way of saying it, if you look at the text further, like uneducated means you're ignorant. Oh, thank you. Appreciate people calling me ignorant. Right? But here's what I love. They are uneducated. They were just fishermen. John and Peter, simple profession, fishermen. For John and Peter, they woke up on Monday morning. 
They got up early, went out to a boat, sat there all day to catch fish. You know what they did on Tuesday? They did the same thing. You know what they did on Wednesday? They did the same thing. They did on Thursday, they did the same thing on Thursday. By the way, these are early mornings, late nights. Friday, they did the same thing. On Saturday, they did the same thing. On Sunday, Sabbath. Culturally, nope, can't fish. Now, some of you in the room are like, wow, you talk about a mundane, boring life. Yet God moves in the, in the lives of ordinary men to speak his great name to change the world. That's it said of them. These men who have turned the world upside down because of the power of God in them. Why do you think you're different than them? You're no different. The Spirit of God is in you. He's entrusted you to do greater things because the power of the resurrected Christ is in you to witness and proclaim to this world that so desperately needs hope. Tell them the message of the hope for we, we believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. These men and these women, they're bold and they've been with Jesus. Courageous people are people who've encountered the living and risen Christ. I'll repeat that. Courageous people are the people who've encountered the living and the risen Christ. They are people who've been with Jesus, changed by Jesus, shaped by Jesus, formed by Jesus, because they're with him. We all understand the power of being with someone, right? And how it transforms your life. Like these engaged couples around us. Right? For like, um, for Zach and Janae. Like you can just tell there's something different. And how the Lord's using each other to change your lives. I, I think of Zach. He's going to be married to Janae soon. Guy's always talking about Janae. You look at his phone, what's the first thing you see on his phone? A picture of Janae. You see them walking around here, they're always walking around, they're talking to each other, they're sitting together. You, they're just around one another. And if you're like me and you've been married for a while, you begin to realize, wow, um, my likes are becoming Christy's likes. I, I like doing things with her that I would have never done 20 years ago. And I actually enjoy them. You're, you're just affected and changed by one another. That's what he's talking about here. That Jesus is so much a part of your life, that he's enveloped your life, that he has changed you because you've been with him. And so, friends, today, are you consistently with Jesus? I'll, I'm going to share with you. And I'm, I'm so thankful for Michael and sharing the story of, of the ladies that have gathered at your home, walking through the Bible. I want to share with you some other stories that to me define a life that's consistently with Jesus. Some of you ladies that went to the retreat, my wife has consistently talked about this woman 
who led the group, her name was Kathleen, who has memorized 15 books of the Bible. She didn't memorize 15 books of the Bible to put it on the checkmark list. No. She memorized God's word that Jesus would reside in her because the words of the word of God are the words of Christ. It's a song we sang. Where can we go? Jesus, in this, you have given the words of life that have changed me forever. And so, Christy and a bunch of you ladies have started to memorize passages of Scripture. I love that. That's a heart that's renewed and revived that wants to be consistently with Jesus, that the Word of God is consistently going through your mind. You're always thinking about the Lord. That is consistency with Jesus. Or maybe it's this. Another lady said, you know what, Dan? I found that um, the 30 minutes before I wake up, I, I'm going to choose to wake up a little early and not choose sleep. 30 minutes of quiet time with God have been far better than any sleep I've ever had. She wants to be with Jesus to form her life as she goes about her day. And some of you just need to listen to God. So as, as you go to work, you're walking through Scripture, just hearing Scripture as you go to work. These, these are your testimonies. These are your testimonies about how you want to be consistently with God. And for me personally, I will tell you that every, I challenged our class, our discipleship class, last week, I made a challenge to all of you. I said, hey, I want you to pray every day before work in your car, Lord, and open an opportunity to share you with others. Well, you won't. It's been the best part of my day to start my day. Is every time I've been in my car this week, before I've gone to work, I've asked the Lord to come. Jesus, come and make your presence in my life. Help me speak about you. You know what's happened in my own life? I've been courageous this week. Praying with clients, talking to clients, walking through scripture with clients. Trying to persuade them that no, Jesus really is risen from the dead. It's not, a, those are my, my very words to one of my clients. It's not a myth. It's not just a story. Jesus did rise from the dead. I said, it's not the year A.D. 2023 because Buddha did something. It's because the stone was rolled away and he has risen from the dead and it's changed my life. Just being with the Father has given me the courage to speak his name. People who are consistently with Jesus, persuaded by his power, they will speak his name. So let us have the courage to speak his name. Zach, come on up, brother.
Thank you, Dan. The question to ask now is, what are we supposed to tell others? What are we going to say? And where do we find the courage to say it? Dan has explained that in order to share the gospel, we must have a consistent relationship with the powerful ruler of all. So, how are we supposed to share with others? How do we obtain the courage we need to share? For an answer, let's turn to verses 23 and 31. After being released, in there it says, after being released from the clutches of the chief priests and elders, Peter and John returned to the community. And the community responded with prayer. They prayed to the only one who could guide, lead, and care for them while they embarked on sharing the good news of Christ's death and resurrection. And they shared it with everyone they encountered. They knew that they needed to share the word of God, but they also knew that they needed courage in order to share. You see, they faced several dangers while sharing the gospel. They wouldn't just be socially ostracized. They would have spent time in jail, maybe even executed. But that didn't hold them back. Now the question must be asked, why were the first Christians willing to risk their lives to share the word of God? It is because the word of God is the only thing that has the power to bring true change and healing into our lives. I'm going to be very honest with you guys. Several years ago, I was diagnosed with depression. And it is something that I continue to deal with to this day. Earlier this week, I had an episode while I was at Janae's place. And when Janae saw what was going on, she did the only thing that would actually help me. She pointed me to the only thing that would ever help. She pointed me to the word of God. My sweet Janae knew that in one of the darkest moments of my life filled with sorrow and pain, what I really needed to hear at that point was the truth of God found in Scripture. I needed to be reminded that my Heavenly Father loves me, flaws and all, and that He calls me beloved. I needed to hear that His forgiveness covers any sin I could ever commit. Now, I'm not going to lie and say the depression just disappeared like that. But things did change. After digging into the word, I had hope. 
and I had hope because I was reminded that our Heavenly Father is our shield. God gave me the courage to keep moving on by telling me that he loves me. If we are to share the good news in love and truth, we must be empowered by prayer driven from the truths found in the gospel. That's how we can apply the passage right now, is by praying through Scripture. In verses uh, 25 and 26, the early Christians weren't just praying. They were praying through the second psalm. And after they prayed, they not only received boldness, but according to Acts chapter 4, verse 33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Praying through God's word makes a difference. So it is a necessity. We must incorporate scripture into our prayer lives. By praying through scripture, God's word starts to enter our minds. And after we are done studying, you can pray through the words that you just read. Praise God for who he is. To rely on his truth. Scripture reveals to us who God is. Scripture also opens our vision to see more of the world around us. When you prayerfully reflect on Scripture, your mind is open to the needs that others have. You are seeing more of the world around you and why you need to rely on God more. As we read scripture, the Lord will bring thoughts to our mind that we just wouldn't think of before. Sometimes the Lord will bring to the forefront of our minds someone who we haven't thought of in years. Other times, God will make known to you the needs that you or others have that need to be filled. And with these thoughts, you can turn to our dear, loving Savior and truly rely on him. In a book that I would highly recommend to you, George Mueller's autobiography, he was German, but don't worry, it's written in English. George Mueller was also a great man of God. He was friends with Charles Spurgeon in the 1800s, and his story is just remarkable. But one thing that he talked about in here is very impactful and was very impactful for me. It was about a result of praying through Scripture. He wrote, During this year, one of the greatest sinners I had ever known in all my service for the Lord was converted. Repeatedly, I prayed with his wife for him. I pleaded the promise in Matthew 18, verse 19, which in the NIV says, Again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. And now this awful persecutor has been converted. 
prayer is one of the most powerful tools we have at our disposal. According to 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that we can ask anything according to his will. And he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Every day we encounter people in need of Jesus. Why not pray for their salvation? Or better yet, why not pray for the courage to share your faith with them? If you don't do it, who will? Everywhere we go, we are surrounded by broken people. Men and women who need to know Christ. So let us pray for courage and boldness to share the gospel with someone this week. Pray that the Holy Spirit would guide us to speak from God's word. We as a church could entirely change the J-Town community for the better through God's power if we ask and trust God to work through us. We know that he is powerful. We know that he loves us. And we know that he hears our prayers. What is holding us back from being more courageous in our evangelism? This morning, we have learned of our need to be convinced of the truth of Christ's power and authority. The need to consistently be with Jesus and discover where to find the courage to speak in his word. And so this morning, we will continue with what we do every week. We're gonna have a great time of intimacy with our dear Lord.